Welcome to the Unhustle Podcast. In this podcast, we stand up to hustle culture, busyness, overwhelm, stress, always on mentality, and life in the fast lane. I'm Milena Rigos, and I'm your host today. We believe in challenging hustle culture and status quo. We believe in a new way of living. With this podcast, we hope to help you make a change, find the courage, shift your perspective, and transform your life. We have conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, and people who have made a change in their life. It's our goal to inspire you, motivate you, and challenge you to unhustle, claim back your time, get clear on your priorities, connect with your heart, focus on you, and live a happier, healthier, more balanced, and more fulfilling life. Thank you for joining us. Now listen to today's show. Today on the podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Rebecca Lyons. Rebecca is a national speaker and best-selling author of You're Free, Be Who You Already Are, and Free Fall to Fly, a breathtaking journey toward a life of meaning, as well as her latest book, Rhythms of Renewal, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. I'm really excited to talk with her more about her latest book. Rebecca wears her heart on her sleeve, which is a benefit to friends and readers alike. Her work has been featured on Good Morning America, CNN, Huffington Post, The Tennessean, Publishers Weekly, and more. Here's Rebecca Lyons. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the Unhustle podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, I, like I was telling you earlier, I was listening to a podcast with you and I just felt completely obliged to reach out to you um, because of um, the message that you're sharing with the world, as well as the book you recently published, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. I love that. And um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about um, what led you to write this book and um, some uh, stories that came with the book? Sure. Well, this book has been nine years in the making. I've written two other books on, on part of how this began, but this one really was a practical um, application, I think, for those who deal with stress and anxiety because it's so prevalent in our culture today. Uh, it's almost four out of five of us actually feel physical symptoms of stress. So that would look like racing heart, shallow breathing, sleepless nights, a mind that won't quit. And as a result, <clears throat> we're all tired and we're stressed out. And yep. so my, my journey with this began in 2010 when we moved to New York City. We had three children in elementary school. We relocated from the suburbs of Atlanta and sold 75% of what we owned and left friends and family that we you know, had lived near for the last 13 years and we moved to New York. And at the time, we, it made a lot of sense professionally. We were... We had started a nonprofit that was called Q Ideas, and it was all about engaging the cultural tensions of our moment and from a lens of faith. And but it was more academic. It's kind of like TED talks with with a lens of faith. Like, what do we do with the things that are happening in the world? How do we how do we live in a way that is hopeful and curious and advances good in our cities? 
So we get to New York and uh, within four months, I have my first panic attack on a flight from Atlanta back to LaGuardia late at night at midnight and hit turbulence and something rises in me. And I have no language for it at the time. I hadn't even heard panic disorder. And I go to the doctor and he kept saying, your heart is fine. Your lungs are fine. Uh, I think your body is just acting out and can no longer contain uh, the emotional stress you're carrying. And turns out my oldest at the time was nine. He had Down syndrome. And the day he was born nine years prior was pretty um, traumatic in that it was emergency C-section, failure to thrive. He went to the NICU. We're fighting for his life. And then once he came home, we were eight therapies a week. And then we would land ourselves in the ER every, every month or so because he would have croup and then his airways would shut down and he would almost suffocate. And, and then he, as a toddler started running, you know, he would dart off and he yeah. is in his mind exploring, but we're, you know, panicked <laughs> trying to find him. So you, you, you just add all this on and then two more babies. And then I moved to New York and and um, just remembering there is no such thing as personal space in New York. And so it rooted for me out of claustrophobia, this idea of feeling trapped in tight spaces. And in New York, you've got 8 million people in 11 miles. So it's impossible. You know, this, this started on planes, but then it continued in trains, subways, elevators, and crowds. Like there, it was impossible to avoid these things. And that continues for about a year. And then I just remember one night in particular... Um, as, as, a, as a person of faith, just crying out to God for rescue. And this one moment, I was just flooded with peace in my bed. It was like in the middle of the night. I was just flooded with peace. And I didn't have language for what was happening, but I knew a healing journey was beginning. And when, you sit, when you're sick, you only look inward and you see what's, what's broken. But when healing begins, you look up and you look out and you see everyone else. And the next day I left my apartment and I saw people just like me gripped in fear, one in four struggling with uh, anxiety or depression. And I started just talking to people and writing about it and, and exploring it more and just trying to get to the, the root of what, like what healing can look like or what, what restoration of, 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 a, of a mind that seems to be going crazy could, could look like. And so I go back to the drawing board as I study mental health and I try to put all these things in place. And I really learned over the next seven years that, that God actually invites us into these rhythms that he's established in creation. And he does it in a way that requires some boundary or constraint, but that when we stay within those rhythms, um, we flourish and we come alive. But when we get outside of those, uh, we start to spin out and chaos ensues. And so these rhythms are really quite simple. They're all about being human. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're getting us back to the way we had to live before the industrial and digital revolution, uh, where machines were no longer turned off. They had to stay running at all times, 24 hours a day for efficiency. The problem is um, our bodies are not machines and we are not made to be always on, even though um, the work mantra would indicate otherwise. And so... So these rhythms um, just kind of forced me to get back into the boundaries of what the physical body can contain and what it looks like to be human. 
I um, thank you so much for sharing that story. I completely agree with you from my unhustle perspective. That's actually what we also uh, instill in people is that we're human beings, not human doings. Yes, and uh, that's exactly what I want to what I, I want to dive deeper into. Let's talk about the four rhythms that you've you've been able to identify and how that can create more more balance um, and calm in our lives. Yes. The four rhythms are rest, restore, connect, and create. And the first two, rest and restore, are input rhythms. And the last two, connect and create, are output rhythms. Because you cannot give what you haven't received. And so I start with rest, and then each rhythm is a building block on top of that. Um, Rest is all about our spiritual health, our inner life. Are we okay? Are we spinning out? Are, is God, are we in God okay? <laughs> it's, it's asking, it's getting quiet. It's silencing the noise. So some of the chapters, I write seven chapters for each rhythm. So some of the ones for rest is take a tech detox, um, routines for deep sleep, establish a morning routine, do the heart work, um, get quiet, take inventory of your life um, is a key to just pause long enough to ask four questions, what's right, what's wrong, what's confused, and what's missing. Because a lot of times we're spinning out and we don't know why and we don't know what what needs to change because we don't stop long enough to actually write it down or give it some thought. Yeah, so it's taking that time for stillness throughout the day. How do you do that? Yeah, so for me, it really does start in the morning, uh, making sure that I like to get outside if it's lovely, at, you know, probably nine months out of the year, I'll try to walk early and just kind of like be in creation and nature. And sometimes I'll talk to God or if I go to my husband, I'll talk to him. But I like starting slow and in nature and getting outside because it's a lot. There's a lot of science about what that does for our mental health. Um, but then I also have a morning routine that is a little bit longer if I get a moment, like right after the kids have left the home, but I'm still not yet running to work where I'll just have four things I do. And everyone has their own version of this. So this is not a prescription at all, but it's more just about like liturgy or prayer, gratitude, journaling, um, scripture, and, and then thanks, you know, like, like I said, gratitude or Thanksgiving, it's this idea of, um, making sure that I'm making time for those things and and doing it slow enough that I get something from it because the posture of release and surrender and beginning again, um, sets the framework of our day. It really does. And it, 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 it's the rudder for which we interact every conversation from there. So if, if I can take time for that in the mornings, um, that's so beneficial. So, you know, um, coffee candle and a pen morning routine is a big one for me (laughs) absolutely agree yeah we also have the unhustle morning practices and and some of the things you mentioned are absolutely included in it and I am personally not one for routines but I kind of have a set of practices and I reach out to them depending on my um, level of energy and how my body feels how I slept and all that but I completely agree how you start you your morning is is how your day goes and I definitely see a difference if I don't take some time for myself right we have to I mean we don't have anything to give if we haven't done some um just some self-care and whatever that looks like soul care yeah (laughs) body care you know whatever that looks like Tell me about the second one. Tell me about the restore. 
sure, restore is all about physical health or physical strength. So if our inner life is okay and we're kind of in our, in our hearts are feeling like we're connected to God and to our people, then we can kind of move from there into our physical bodies and going, are we eating foods for foods for fuel or are we eating foods for like a, for a high and then a crash? And so I tell funny stories of like, you know, dragging my family through a whole 30 a couple years ago or, um, making room for play in my life again. Uh, part of the restore strength is like, it's just, uh, recovering a sense of adventure that gets us back into a more of an active life. Because as we know, uh, 15 minutes of like an elevated heart rate or brisk exercise will increase serotonin in our body, which is the, the happy hormone and the confident hormone. And the one that wants to keep going, um, and try again because you feel like you're actually overcoming some things. So, so just how, um, using the workout pants is super important, not just for errands, but actually <laughs> getting our heart rate up yeah, and, and it'll feel like a discipline until you start to really enjoy it. And then you'll look forward to it. So it's partly just figuring out your threshold for that, how much time you have, but making some time for it, even just walking, like walking alone, if you do it consistently and you do it often and you, and you kind of do it fast, uh, that can really be, um, so great for creativity. And if you do like a desk job or I'm a writer, so if I'm in the middle of a writing project, you better believe I probably stop at least twice in a four hour period and then get out and go for like a 20 minute walk just because the subconscious mind is allowed to kind of roam free and it starts to connect the dots of the things that you are blocked up about when you're trying to stay in the conscious mind of getting a point out. So Google, I talk about has writing, you know, walking meetings or a, a lot of people um, that were great scientists or presidents or, um, or authors, you know, people with like who did volumes of work in their lifetime, they walking was a regular, a regular part of their routine. Absolutely. Restore rhythm. Yeah. And um, I live in Lake Tahoe. So we have so many beautiful uh, mountains and forests around here. So I actually got into um, um, forest bathing, forest medicine. Oh, cool. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but yeah, Yeah, exactly. Tell me me about it. It's a Japanese um, um, method that was invented in Japan because they saw, similar to your experience with New York City, they saw that uh, crowding more people in the cities led to um, increase in suicides, unhappiness, uh, deteriorated health. And so it's a a scientifically proven approach which actually takes people outside and instead of that having that brisk uh, walk to um, raise your heart rate you actually slow down and you yeah. you do like a mindful walk but you engage all of your senses mm. so you 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 know use your smell and you taste and you touch and, and you know it's so it's scientifically proven they've done tons of studies that it actually decreases your stress level even like a two-hour hike in um to, uh, like a two-hour time in nature once a month is um, helps increase um, your um, anti-cancer cells. Um, oh wow! Yeah, decreases your stress. It in, it increases your creativity, improves your sleep, puts you in a better mood, 
Um, so all these really, really beneficial things that, sure. it, and you don't have to live in the forest to do that. You can do it right. in a park. Right. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I wa- went for a walk with my family yesterday. We have for an hour, we have a hiking trail, not far from our house, but that's been, lo- that's been game changing for me, even in the last month of launching this book and being on the road a ton doing, you know, a, a ton of interviews and just having joy in it and not fatigue has been like pretty much every day I'm taking an hour walk because I have got to get outside and just something about it is so calming and I come home just more grateful, more happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and the and the energy to just keep going, I think. And you're right, it does affect your sleep. The more intentional we get about our days, the more intentional our nighttime hours they follow. They act, our body wants to rest, but you have to exert it to help um, the brain slow down enough to allow your bodies to rest. So I think that's a real interesting connection. We are sometimes so obsessed with getting better sleep, but we're not living days that would require sleep. Um, if we're just sitting for nine hours and we're not moving or not being active or being stimulated in that way, sometimes our bodies are too restless to sleep. So we have to kind of work them out before we try to go to bed. Especially spending all that time indoors. I just did a Facebook Live today actually exactly on sleep and how that fallback change of time. Yeah, we gain an hour, but does that disrupt your sleep? And so the best thing uh, from a biohacking perspective that I have a little bit of training in is to expose your face um, and if you can your body to, to daylight so morning light you know sunlight it helps um, mm-hmm. sync the circadian rhythms and then improves your your sleep at night and then on the opposite spectrum as well is staying away from the blue lights you know staying away okay. from the screens in the evening so mm-hmm. that will all probably be falling falling into the restore yes rhythm of your book um, yes yes for sure Let's talk about the other two. Let's talk about the output. Right. So connect is relational health and create is vocation, like your work. So connect is all about once you have energy, you've slept, you're rested, you're at peace, you have energy, then you get to go out and offer something to someone else. You actually have some reserves. That's the goal. And you have something to give away. And uh, you're not so depleted that you just can't think about anybody else. You're now ready to go, okay, I need to invest in the relationships around me. Um, so as a wife and a mother and a sister and a friend and a daughter, I'm thinking, how am I stewarding these relationships? Well, am I kind of just barreling through them and just managing them barely, or am I being intentional in the way I think about them? And yes, there are seasons that allow more time for this than others. And you can't hit all of them like perfectly at the same time, typically, but in general, I have four children, three teens, and a kindergartner because we just adopted uh, about not quite a year ago a little girl with Down syndrome from China. And so she's still acclimating to our home. But uh, the interesting thing is that it has required us as a family unit to be very intentional, to have a day a weekend, usually Sunday, where we pause, put down phones make it a day of intention and memory making. And like I said, we did our, you know, our walk yesterday and that's a little long for her and her brother, but they actually had fun with it. Cause we don't go fast. Let's be honest on that one. We do not go fast. It's more about like throwing sticks and rocks um, off the trail and clearing the trail. Or like even my older two had a football, they were, you know, tossing back and forth as we very, very slowly walked, but it was, um, 
So but you were doing forest bathing. You were, um, oh, we were connecting with curiosity and joy. We were because <laughs> I, you know, when you can get two rhythms at once, you know, or three, you're like all about it because all of a sudden you're maximizing that time in many ways. And I think that, um, that, that relational, like everyone needs connection and belonging. And, um, while we have 77% of us feeling physical symptoms of stress, we have 47% of us saying that we feel deep feelings of loneliness and 26% saying that we don't have a real friend, like one real intimate friend. That's an epidemic of loneliness and loneliness leads to depression and then depression has a whole litany of things that follow that. And so I think part of it is going, um, am I being honest about um, uh, my need for intimacy with humans, other people? And am I willing to lead in vulnerability? Am I willing to invite people in, even though my house is not perfect? I have a chapter called Potluck Over Perfect because I have some friends who can cook way better than me, but I'm just the one that throws out the ask. And like I'm like, I'll get the meat. I'll, <laughs> I'll cater if I have to. Um, because it's really more about people wanting to be invited in and welcomed. Um, and then just making that a rhythm. Like I, I do a lot of the you know, the secondary holidays, I call it, you know, not Christmas typically. And I'll still do a Friendsgiving, but, but really more about like just the different days that they might have off work and might just want to have a cookout or just be with someone. Um, I, I like to try to make those things a priority for our, our friend, our, our extended family and friends here in our community. But part of it is just, yeah, vulnerability, conflict resolution, apologizing first, um, bearing each other's burdens when someone's walking through really hard, hard things or loss or heartache and how people have done that for me. Marriage, love the one you're with, you know, keep yeah. working, keep working on it. Um, we're at 22 years in December and know Congratulations. that. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But every year brings its new sets of challenges just in the age and stage of life that we're in and kids we're trying to raise and not screw up. So we're like, um, we've got to make sure we're investing in our relationship um, as a priority so that we can be uh, what we need to be as parents and for each other after kids <laughs> leave home. So that's a thing. And then that last rhythm is create. And create means work. Yeah. So create, create is really about the gifts that you've been given, like what you're doing with your, um, your, your podcast or like what you were just sharing with me, like you are taking something and you're offering it to the world. And I do believe that every single one of us has something that we get passionate about based on our story, the family we were born into, the life experience we've had, that um, maybe even things that we've walked through that were painful, but that became purpose. And uh, a lot of times it's just um, taking risks there, um, learning again. I have a chapter called working with your hands, making a pattern and a plan. Like a lot of times we just need a plan and sometimes we need a dose of courage. Uh, sometimes we need to be responsible for something small and then watch those things grow and, um, dreaming again. Some of us have maybe walked through, uh, career transitions and maybe we're disheartened and we're just not really sure where to turn. And there's a chapter just on dreaming again. Like, how do we go back to our eight-year-old self and, and what made us come alive as kids? What were the things that we loved so much we drove our parents crazy or we hadn't learned to be afraid yet? And one, What's one tip that you can share with regards to how can people go to being eight-year-old again and not being afraid? 
Yeah. I th- for me, I just literally looked back at my eight-year-old year and what I was involved in. And it was the year between my third and fourth grade year. And I was called Becca Book. That was my nickname. And we didn't have a TV till I was in middle school. And my parents were both teachers. And we didn't have a lot of income. We have four kids, two, two teacher salaries. But um, I read 62 Nancy Drew books just that year because I was obsessed <laughs> with books. And that's mer- how you got your nickname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I would, like loved mysteries. And I loved that Nancy was this detective and trying to figure things out. And, and I was lost um, in the power of story. And I wound up, you know, through my whole elementary and middle school years going to the public library because that doesn't cost anything. Um, and filling my bag with tons and tons of books. And I learned much later in life that readers make writers. And I just found writing to be an outlet for me of, of imagination and creativity. And so I think for a lot of us, I wouldn't have thought then that I would ever be a writer professionally or by trade, but, but sometimes those things that we love so much as kids, um, music, arts, you know, writing, reading, um, caregiving, nurturing, those tend to take some role in our professional lives down the road. And I would just go back and even talk to your parents. Like, like I even look at my kids at that age, how they had a knack for something that they're still dabbling in now that they're teens. And I'm like, don't lose sight of that. You know, my son started writing music when he was eight. My daughter, she's just one of those that can like put anything together. And she like makes these crafts that I would have never, like, it's not the kind that comes in a kit. You know, you're like, I don't know how you ever thought to put those three things together, but that's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of us have these gifts that come naturally for us where we, it's more effortless and we don't even realize it's unique until someone else helps point those things out and go, you should pay attention to that. I'm not saying it's going to be a full-time job and it's going to support your family and maybe it will, but don't lose sight of that because that kind of ingenuity or creativity will be something that you can offer something. It'll be something you can offer the world that looks different than anybody else. And you should explore that. And how do you connect with that? If your parents are no longer alive, how do you go back? Um, How do you tap into that? memory or that subconsciousness or whatever it is that reminds you of that gift? Well, um, so there's a book called Bird by Bird, Signs of Writing in Life by Anne Lamott. And I remember, so my dad died a year ago. My mom's still alive. Um, I don't, some people will have siblings that are still alive. They can talk to you about that kind of thing. Some people have journals that they wrote or or like crafts they made or something that'll trigger a memory. Um, I know for me that when I read her book, she said, write your life story And I thought, and she said, don't leave anything out. And I was like, wait a minute, nobody wants to do that. Uh (laughs) There's always something we don't want to write out. There's something we would love to leave out. But something about that permission for me, um, when I got into doing it, I started remembering more things. It's like, it's like when you write for no one to read, but you really just write so that you can, it's cathartic. It's almost like a healing process of, just verbally, um, non-verbally, I guess, getting things out, those, the writing almost starts to tell you what to write. Like I start out like the most obvious memories, but then I start to unpack those as I keep writing. And then I'm like, oh, and then it led me to this memory. And then that led me to this memory. And why was that? Why did I even like that? 
person. Why did I wear that outfit? You know, like, it's just funny how, um, that, that long-term memory is still there. You just kind of have to activate it a little bit, I think. Um, and I love that tip with writing and especially the tip about giving yourself permission to write it and write it just for you. you know, yes. It's like writing yes. yourself a letter, writing yes. your own life story. So you can tap back into, into this, you know, like you're saying, the, the big memories will bring the little memories along. And sometimes it's about a little memory that maybe we've buried in the back and, and we're ignoring it that actually sparks spark mm-hmm. the next creative idea. It's true. It's true. And photos sometimes you can look at something and go, Oh, I do remember something about that birthday party. What do I remember about it? And usually what you remember more are the senses of that, like the kind of cake or the smells or the, you know, the musty house of that, you know, that curtain in the seventies or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it is interesting though. I do think there are things that are latent that we do need to tap into because it helps us really um, move forward, I think, in some areas that might be stagnant right now. Yep, yep, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I know you have a busy, busy schedule today. So um, um, let's just ask you one final question. um, And that would be, what do you hope people would take away from reading your book? I hope that people will uh, feel a sense of ability to take charge of their emotional health in some way, some agency, some responsibility, some actionable steps, practical um, hope that they can put in place small things. It doesn't have to be everything, just small everyday ways to live out each of these rhythms that doesn't cost money, but just takes intention and it might just take some planning and, and to give yourself grace. Like there's no perfect script on this. But just every time you try something, um, maybe jot down like the effect of it, you know, like record in some way, like, hey, after I had did these three things, I actually slept really well last night. What did I do different? You know, take note of that. Or I had the best conversation with a friend the other day because I just decided to focus on her and ask her some thoughtful questions about what she's going through, you know, take inventory of how you feel on the other side of those things. Um, because I do think you're going to cultivate your own rhythms of renewal. You know, these are going to be a springboard and you're going to read things here. You're like, I'm going to do these every day, but you're going to discover some new things that just surprise you that your body and your mind really responds well to. And I think you'll be encouraged to go. This is not that hard. It's not the hardest thing in the world. I can, I might not be able to control several things in my life, but I can, but I can put some things in place that help um, steer my response to those things. Great advice. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Where can people connect with you online and where can they pick a copy of uh, Rhythms and f- uh, of Rhythms of Renewal? Yes. Uh, so they can find me at RebeccaLyons.com, R-E-B-E-K-A-H-L-Y-O-N-S.com. If they want to find their healthiest rhythm, it just go to RebeccaLyons.com com slash quiz and you could just take this real quick assessment five minutes 40 questions it tells you that the rhythm that's most dominant for you most natural and it also gives you some tips on how to strengthen the other three and then the book you can find at amazon barnes noble or anywhere books are sold excellent i'm going to your website right now to do the quiz and i'll link to all these links in the 
podcast show notes. And thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Unhustle podcast, a place where we have real, unedited conversations with inspiring people. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Connect with us at unhustle.com and sign up for our email newsletter so we can send you more tips to live unhustled. If you know someone who needs to be on this podcast as a guest, let us know. Share this podcast with a friend and leave a review to help more people find it. We're counting on you to tell people about the Unhustle movement, a new way of living. We look forward to hearing your story and how we helped you change your life.